You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I mean, just can't imagine how good it's going to be. This is the Apostle Paul writing this and all the things he went through, all the suffering he endured. He says, I've thought about it, meditated on it, and I've come to the conclusion it's not even worth comparing. Your trials, sufferings, and difficulties won't last forever. In today's message from Pastor Danny, he encourages you to focus your sight heavenward. When you trust in the Lord, these things are only temporary. You can't comprehend the good that God has in store for you. Pastor Danny encourages you as well that your present sufferings will not compare to the glory that will one day be revealed. Keep bringing your cares before the Lord and trust that He holds all things together in your life and in the life to come. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Spiritual Wisdom. known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him. And that's interesting to me because another quote Paul pulls out there, verse 16, who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, also from Isaiah. That's from Isaiah chapter 40. But we have the mind of Christ. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. Verse 8, let's start with that one. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it, this wisdom the secret wisdom. They didn't understand it because if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Fascinating clue. Now, the rulers of this age, my take on it is from Scripture, it's a combination of human and spiritual entities. It's not just spiritual entities, but it's a combination. It's both. It's human and spiritual entities. Now, let's, let's go to a couple of these scriptures. Turn to them and look at it with me. Psalm 82. Psalm 82. And a couple of verses I want to pull out here. Psalm 82, verse 1. God presides in the great assembly. He gives judgment among the gods. And if your Bible is like mine, you have gods there, little g, and in quotations. Now, this is one passage Jehovah's Witnesses will try to use as a proof text that Jesus is God with a little g because they say, see here, God talks about these gods with a little g. Well, you got you to gotta look at the whole context because if you go down to verse 6, I said, God's talking, you are gods. Again, quotation and little g. You are all sons of the Most High. And so there is this sense where 
You're all children of God. But notice he says, verse 7, but you will die like mere men. He's talking about gods with the little g who are human beings who have risen to power, risen to a place of authority, and yet they are godless. He says, you're going to die. You may be big in this world, (laughs) but you're going to stand before me one day, and you're going to die. You're not a god. (laughs) There's only one god, all right? Now, you take that. There are human gods, little g, God calls them gods. They have authority. They have influence. And then you go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And you go down to verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Talking human there but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, if you just took that passage alone, you wouldn't agree with my conclusion here that the rulers of this age, it's human and spiritual entities. If you just took Ephesians 6 without the rest of Scripture, you wouldn't conclude that. Let me give you another fascinating Scripture. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 is the record of Judas, one of the 12 apostles, betraying Jesus. And the record tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 3, then Satan, get this, entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the 12. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. This is Satan first influencing Judas, but now he actually enters Judas. And so it's a spiritual force of evil, the ultimate spiritual force of evil, the person of Lucifer, Satan, entering Judas, the rulers of this age, not just Satan and his forces in the heavenly realms, but human beings that he influences. Fascinating. So the wisdom of this age is very simply the wisdom of the world. Influenced by Satan, but Satan uses people. There's some characteristics of the wisdom of the world. Not just deceptive extremely deceptive, extremely. You just write it down. I didn't put it on the PowerPoint. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. They'll walk away from the truth. I got a text today asking me to pray for some guy who evidently is known in the rock and roll world, and his father is a pastor, And I think the text said his uncle is a pastor, but he's walked away totally from God. They were asking me to pray for him. He's been deceived. Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. It's ironic that demons themselves are deceived, which is what our text says. None of the rulers of this age understood the wisdom of God, this secret wisdom he's talking about, 
Because if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan would never have influenced Judas, would never have entered, have entered Judas to send Jesus to the cross if it understood the wisdom that God is talking about here. Would have never done it. You guys are an easy group to teach to because you seem interested in this. I'm serious. Turn to Luke 22. We were just there. But go down to verse 53. Luke 22, and go down now to verse 53. They come to arrest Jesus at night, and he says to them, Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. You match that up, and this is so Jesus bump good to me. In Matthew 27, verse 45, it says, when Jesus was on the cross from the sixth hour, that's high noon. That should be the brightest part of the day. Sixth hour, high noon, until the ninth hour, 3 p.m., darkness came over all the land. I put in my notes, what day did Jesus rise from the dead? Sun day. Sun day. In the morning, light. He hung on the cross, and it was the hour of darkness, but it was deceptive darkness. And the rulers of hell in the heavenly realms, Satan, his entourage, and all those who were against Jesus, human beings, they thought, we got him. We've won until Sunday morning. You talk about a comeback. <laughs> you can clap. Jesus is the ultimate comeback kid, man, coming back from the dead. So the wisdom of this age, it's, it's darkness. It's darkness. It's cloaked. It's, it's, it's deceptive, extremely deceptive. Real quick, the benefits are temporary. It's the wisdom of this world. And the consequences are everlasting. Verse 6 of our text, let me remind you, verse 6 of our text, 1 Corinthians, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Benefits are temporary. Consequences are everlasting. Now, also from the text, it's interesting to me. The wisdom from the Spirit of God, you got to have the Spirit of God. Otherwise, you think the wisdom of God is foolishness. That's what our text says. The man without the Spirit, verse 14, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He can't understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Foolishness without the Spirit. And with that, not subject to man's judgment. This is encouraging for the Christian be reminded. Doesn't matter what the world thinks about your decisions. Doesn't matter what the world thinks about what you value. They don't understand. They don't get it. And they will never get it until they're born again, until they have the Spirit of God. They won't get it. Now, as I studied and, and really meditated on this today, I was reminded that this wisdom from the Spirit of God is recorded right in the Scriptures. It's all through the Scriptures. He pulls from Isaiah twice in this little section. I think that's interesting because 
as you look at Isaiah, Isaiah is the one that prophesied that the virgin would be with child, that he would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, that he's going to rule and reign. And when he does come and rule and reign, that the world is going to be filled with peace. The animal kingdom is going to be totally different. As I mentioned on this one, and I like to think there'll be no walls at Bush Gardens anymore. It's going to really happen. But Isaiah also prophesies in chapter 53. That whole chapter is about the coming of the Messiah and the wisdom of God in allowing him to go to the cross. That's the plan. It's the cross. And the wisdom of the cross is all throughout the scriptures. And in some way, the cross is connected with pretty much daily Christian living. And so what I want to do is give you what I call classic Christian wisdom characteristics. This is the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of heaven. This is the wisdom of the spirit. This is the wisdom of the scriptures. And I was so encouraged in my study, even though I know this stuff, but the challenge is not to know it. The challenge is to live it and really believe it. And this is not an exhaustive list. You're going to think of one or two or who knows, a lot that I don't have in this list. This is the wisdom. You want to find your life? Lose it. That makes no sense to the mind of this world. It makes no sense to the natural man. It only makes sense to the spiritual man. Matthew 16, got to read it. Matthew 16, verse 24, after rebuking Peter, when Peter tried to deter Jesus from the cross, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. I need to believe that daily. Another characteristic, <laughs> you win by losing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I mentioned the Corinthians were, among other things, taking one another to court. They were suing one another in public court. And Paul writes in verse 7, he says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? You win by losing. A third, you want to be exalted? You want to be a god? Bad motivation. But ex exaltation is by way of humility. Got to turn to him. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, verse 11. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 
than the tremendous example of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. I love, love, love this passage. Philippians 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who in being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. God's wisdom, the way up, is down. And get this one. You want to overcome evil? You do it with good. Romans chapter 12. And I pulled out several verses from chapter 12. Oh, they're so good and they're so convicting. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And my understanding, it's coals of conviction. You'll be used by God to bring conviction in their life. Okay, a couple more. Classic wisdom from God. You evaluate life decisions in light of eternity. I've told you before, and I'm telling you, it's the truth, and I hope it just continues until I see Jesus. I think about heaven every single day. Every single day. And you need to because you want to evaluate life and make decisions in light of eternity. I love, of all the scriptures I could have gone to, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Choices in life made in light of eternity. I got two more. And it goes with that last one, but I put it separate because it really should be. Live in light of the future judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Aren't you thankful tonight? I'm so thankful I'll never stand before what's called the great white throne judgment at the end of the book of Revelation and be cast into what's called the lake of fire. I mean, can you say thank the Lord that you're not going to go through that? I mean, it's just amazing. The grace of God and the mercy of God that saved me and saved us. 
But now we live our lives in light of the future judgment seat of Christ. I don't fear death. I don't fear hell. Hell, I don't fear the lake of fire. Was anybody else identify with me that you're a little bit nervous about standing before Christ in the judgment seat? Hey, come on. I'm just a little nervous about that. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see him. But, and I don't know how it works. How, how do you think it works, Nelson? We're going to get up there one at a time. I mean, it's just fascinating to think about how in the world is the judgment seat of Christ is going to work. You know, you, 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 that's when you want your number to be, you know, in infinity somewhere. So you're, you get to enjoy heaven for a long time before, hey, your turn. I don't know how it's going to work. But we're going to all stand before him. And I'll tell you what, it's great motivation. It's great motivation. You want to please him now. You want to live for him now. You don't want to, you don't want to be like in another place in Corinthians where he talks about just being saved by the skin of your teeth and not hearing him say, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. So I put these two together, but yet at the same time, put them separate. They kind of go together. You evaluate life's decisions based on eternity. You know you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. And then, oh man, this last one is so good. God help me as I get older, every birthday, your your present sufferings are viewed in light of future glory. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 Paul says, I consider, I love what one of the translations, I think it might be the old King James says, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. (laughs) I mean, just can't imagine how good it's going to be. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this, and all the things he went through, all the suffering he endured, And he says, I've thought about it, I've meditated on it, and I've come to the conclusion it's not even worth comparing what I've sacrificed and what I've gone through in this life in comparison with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Just can't wait. And last but not least, all of this wisdom and the points that I'm sure you could think of that I didn't have on this list. I've told you it's not exhaustive, not an exhaustive list. But back in 1 Corinthians, I want you to look at one last verse here. And now we go back up to our reading in 1 Corinthians 1. And just one verse. Verse 30. It is because of him, talking about Christ, our God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And that just kind of pulls it all together. You want to to know what it looks like to be wise as a human being. Study the life of Christ. And the more you learn about Jesus Christ, and the more we seek to follow his lead in life, which is what we're called to. We're called to be followers of Christ. And the closer we get to Christ, the more we learn about Him and let Him lead us in life, the wiser we will be.
Thanks for joining us today to study the books of the New Testament with Pastor Danny Hodges, right here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the Bible by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you in person. Join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, New Testament Highlights, be reminded that all these books provide a glimpse into God's heart for every person. His word is like a lighthouse, showing the way for lost ships at sea. Each person is a lost ship, floundering in the dark waters until they see that beam of light that directs them back to land. Throughout scripture, Jesus is that beam of light, lighting the path to safety. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny as he teaches in the New Testament right here on The Living Word.